As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. Wow, Sherlyn, you really, like, leaned in there like a music video, so I kind of, it's a great sound. Uh, Hello, Sherlyn. Hello, audience. I felt like I was being introduced to a 90s music video. It's like, Sherlyn's ready for Sherlyn's beats. Let's drop it. This week, we've got the PlayStation Portal, folks, which I reviewed at the site, and, uh, I had a lot of fun reviewing that because um, it made me very, very mad. And we'll talk about that with a special mm. guest. But as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. Seriously, there's a lot of reporting out there about how bad the podcasting industry is right now. And uh, it really does all come down to iTunes. So please leave us a review. And uh, if you have any feedback, drop us an email at podcast at Engadget.com. Let's talk about the PlayStation Portal. And this is a weird device. So to help us figure it out is Scott Stein, editor-at-large at CNN. Hey, Scott, how's it going? Hey, great, Javendra. Uh, great to join you. Yeah, happy to have you here. I feel like we get a breakdown what this thing is for Sherlyn specifically, because I know, Cher, you want to you wanna dabble in gaming, right? I mean, I have a few handheld PC you have a few. or handheld gaming consoles, but yeah, sure. Yes. How about, uh, but how about a console that doesn't, doesn't actually play any games? How about a console no, that is... that that is useless when it's offline. Does that sound great to that's you? That's not a game. That's not a gaming pr- machine, right? If it doesn't play any games? It's not a gaming machine. It is, a, it is in fact, a portal. And what the PlayStation mm. Portal is, it is just a window into your PlayStation 5. That's all it is. It can stream games. I do not have a PS5, so I guess yeah. bye. <laughs> Say bye. Um, when you're at home, you could stream games, uh, you know, from your PlayStation when you're remote and anywhere online. You can also, like, do the, like, long um you know long distance playstation remote stuff but it's all your playstation 5 you cannot play any of the cloud-based playstation you like playstation service games right now first of all does this device make sense to you sherlyn as somebody who is probably you know not not paying full attention to this market right right i i know i like i said once you said it's a portal to the ps i'm like oh well i guess uh this doesn't doesn't concern me but other handheld consoles for sure I know yeah, you're playing with Ionia. We've talked about the Steam Deck. Like I also have this... the Lenovo Legion Go. Yeah. Yes, that's all this stuff. So Scott, uh, we both reviewed this thing. I, I did not score this thing very well because uh, what happened was I got this device really late, and Sony was like, "Hey, by the way, the embargo for the review is Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern," and I wanted to say f off. You sent me this thing on Friday, um, so I spent the weekend testing it, and I spent Monday morning writing it up. And a couple hours later, I had like 2,000 words of just like, I had a lot of feelings about this, but not very favorable. Scott, I want to know, what, do you, what did you think of the PlayStation Portal overall? Yeah, I had the same really short time frame, and I'm still a review in progress, so like I haven't given it a score yet. Um, very up and down, you know, and, and, it's, and it's, it's changed over time. I got the, I understood the idea of it, thinking yeah. about like the Wii U. That this was like the Wii U gamepad for the PS5. What Nintendo did 10 years ago. Sony's like, yes, hey, that's a good idea. Do that thing. And I've looked at things like Backbone One and, you know, mm-hmm. some of those streaming options. And um, and so I understood it. And when I got to use it, my first thought was, oh, the controller really feels nice in the sense that it's 
it's like my my 15 year old son like avoids these streaming handheld things because he says the controllers suck. And so I was like, okay, well the controllers really? are nice. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he's become like a controller PC aficionado like all of a sudden from under. Our, me. our and, kids um, are going to become just like us, and it's going to be very very annoying. Like it's I think very annoying. He's talking about like mouse click efficiency and stuff, and like uh, so. So anyway, um, you know, I appreciated that, but then I was like the streaming quality. I was like, eh, like this is. You know, I I played Madden, which is my go-to, and the you know, th- so for me, cool that I can play Madden because weirdly, no handheld for some reason seems to be able to play Madden well, and um, for various reasons, and so this played it, but like I could tell that there was a little bit of difference in the yeah. reaction times and even the haptics, um, and it's goofy. Like I said in the in the thing, it's a goofy product in the, in the way it looks. <laughs> it's like a batarang, you know. It's it, oh it sprouts God. those controllers. It's not very portable. It's $200, to be clear. But yet I also see a weird logic in it. Like, am I crazy that, like, it's $100 to buy one of those controllers for your phone. And if you're really – PS5 is – they're really selling the, the the extra products this year hard. Yeah. And and to me, like, the PSVR 2 and the Portal are, like, different arguments for, like, a similar philosophy in some weird way. It's like, extend your PS5 and – yeah. In various non-compatible ways. So in a way, this felt more practical, but also like let go all expectations of this being a, a Vita. It's a weird device because when they announced this thing, we talked about it here on the show too. And I was like initially skeptical. It's like, what the hell, what the hell am I gonna do with a streaming only handheld? Why is it two hundred dollars? Holding it a bit, trying it a bit. Like I agree, Scott, like the controls are great. It is not it is the dual sense controller with an eight-inch tablet in the middle. And, you know, it has all the buttons except for the the center trackpad. And you could just tap on the screen if you need to do any of those things. It does feel like you're holding a dual sense. It has the good haptics and everything. And it worked sometimes for me, right? Like I played Spider-Man 2. I was playing some God of War Ragnarok. And when it worked in my home, it was magical. It was like, oh, wow, this is a really cool thing to be able to do. And then I moved like five feet and I lost connection to my PlayStation 5, you know? Or I, for some reason, when I tried to play again in the same location, it just didn't work because a streaming device really comes down to it is dependent on a chain of things. It's dependent on your internet connection. It's dependent on your PlayStation five saying, Hey, I I would like to remote play right now. And there were instances where I had to go down and reset my PlayStation because it just wouldn't connect for no reason, no reason at all. So it's one of those things where it's like, I I, I can see the logic here, but also I can't trust this device. Like, ultimately, that's my review, right? Like, I can be sitting and enjoying and playing Spider-Man for 30 minutes and then drop connection. No reason. I have great internet at home. I have a Wi-Fi 6 router. I have gigabit uh, internet. Um, just stops working. for, And I'm sometimes, like, 10, 15 feet away from the router. So, like, the logic of it doesn't quite make sense. You can't really travel with this. Like, I was able to tether my phone when I, we went shopping for groceries one morning. And I was like, oh, okay. It took 30 seconds, but I eventually was able to connect to my PlayStation 5 and play like 10 minutes and then drop connection error. You know, you can't use this thing on an airplane because the Wi-Fi definitely is not fast enough, but also the latency would would make it totally useless. You can't really make it your gaming system while traveling because you don't know how good your hotel Wi-Fi is and you don't want to be stuck on vacation like, oh, this was the one gaming system I brought and it does not work. So the downsides really seem to outweigh everything. Uh, Sherlyn, like, yeah, what, what does this seem like a good sell to you for 200 bucks? No, <laughs> um, I just it's you like you the two use cases you mentioned already are just like you can't always be um, reliant on Wi-Fi or Internet 
availability. I think also I have a preference for like local, locally like downloaded games and like that sort of thing. Um, because they just run faster, better. I don't you have a preference for doing things with the device in your hand, right? Like that, that it, this thing is like the cheapest thing Sony could have put out, right? Because it just streams video. That's all it's doing. It's decoding video that's coming from your PlayStation. It can't run apps locally. It can't run games locally. You can't use it to watch Netflix locally. It is a $200 brick if you have no internet, basically. It seems useless in those scenarios. I mean, for those people who have like a palatial mansion, you live in like a multi-floor, multi-room where you have like excellent Wi-Fi throughout your mansion and you have the, you know, you're a Kardashian, I'm guessing. You get the portal <laughs> to be playing in your West Wing while your PS5 sits in your... I, sure. I, you would just have wing, multiple whatever. PS5s. You would have a PS5 in That's what room, I was about to know? say. I was going to say like in that situation, why don't you have multiple you PS5s? Why multiples? throw a $200 yeah. to rely on Wi-Fi anyway? Uh, why would you want to spend two hundred dollars on a handheld to also play games in a worse quality than your the the five hundred dollar system you paid for can actually produce? You like it seems. I mean, like a I'm guessing backwards thing. Yeah, it's probably in that situation if you have the multiple like um, wings and mansion set up, and you, it's probably nice to have a handheld to play games on your PS Five while your TV is still showing like you know TV stuff like you're watching. Uh, Orange is the new black. I don't know. I threw out the title, and and you're sitting back. A on your show couch from ten years ago. Yes, yes, yes. I know. Mm-hmm. That's that's the show I went to. Uh, and 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 you want to play games, but not on your phone because your phone doesn't have a good like you know controller right, system. Right. I don't know. In that case, buy a proper handheld. I don't know. Buy one no, that you can take on the go. It's something to keep by your like your chaise lounge or something in this mansion. Right, exactly. It's your downstairs game entertainment. It's very much like a home appliance, and I felt that way. Yeah. And it's like for Sony, which has like a lot of specialized electronics sometimes, like this, it seemed like I kind of got the idea. Oh, what I hope it is, is is an experiment leading towards an eventual handheld entry again. Like, you know, maybe this is the Wii U before the um, the Switch, you know, it's like, is Sony going to yeah. do this and then do something that can stream and also play games? Because that would make a lot of sense. Everything's Steam Deckifying and the handle landscape is picking up. So maybe it's a foot in the door. I- I also have to wonder, like, maybe there's a target audience or market for this that we're not aware of or culturally paying attention to because maybe in, like, some countries or whatever it is where 5G might be really good or, or Wi-Fi I mean, the, the country dorms. would be Japan, maybe. Exactly, know? right. Yeah. That's where my mind went to. But also maybe you're in some kind of communal living situation. The houses aren't big you... is the thing. Like... Right, right. Where, like, your PS5 sits in your apartment, but you go to the lounge in the building to, I don't know, meet other people and play at the same time not maybe necessarily against each other could, or with each other be. but could be something like that right you sit there and yeah I don't know. what's funny scott is that you you suggested like oh maybe this could be sony's foothold into a gaming system that can also stream stuff remotely and i think what made me really angry is that sony has been doing this forever you could remote play from your playstation 4 to i believe to the or Vita. any sony phone right <laughs> or well no any phone really like hey i had to like remind yeah, people true. i was talking to our videographer yes, who has a playstation 5 I was like oh this would be cool i was like dude you can you could go download the playstation remote app right now on your phone on your computer if you have a, a, a google tv i believe or the android tv platform has the playstation remote app download that app connect pair your pair your you know playstation 5 controller and you could do the same thing without spending $200 on this thing. So Sony has like the infrastructure and they've been doing this for a while. They have had handhelds before. This just seems like a really weird, like, 
Yeah, let's do what everybody else is doing, kind of, except we've learned no lessons from the Steam Deck or the Switch, basically, because it turns out people do want to play games portably, but also they want to do that sometimes offline. You know, they want to do that not just streaming from a box, uh, whereas the Switch and the Steam Deck can also stream games occasionally. There are some AAA games that can stream to Switch. Uh, the Steam Deck can stream from uh, online services and also your own home gaming computer, which is kind of a cool thing. That's a feature I use sometimes to let, get Elden Ring to look a lot better than it does locally on the Steam Deck. So this is a thing people are exploring, but it's streaming plus offline play, right? Well, backing all the way up to the PSVR 2, it's been a year of unusual tech decisions for Sony. Because, you know, it's like, because like PSVR 2, great tethered VR headset, but tethered and doesn't not backwards compatible with the older PSVR games. And, you know, when is it ever maybe going to be standalone or maybe streaming? $550, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, like like the Quest 3 can do, uh, you know, AirLink and can do wireless streaming to a PC. Sony didn't do that. Now, this is a is a wireless device, but it doesn't have the ability to hold the other games. So there's like, there's two products to me that that made certain decisions and then moved away from other decisions in the landscape. So it feels like a trend of this year that yeah. you're like, Products that are moving in directions I like, but not making all the decisions that I would think that they would do. I think Sony is a baffling company is the thing. Like I wrote an editorial, I think it was last year or the year before. I was like, will Sony ever like reclaim its consumer electronics like throne will ever be the king again? And I will tell you folks, like Sony reps called me the next day. I was like, what the hell is this? Um, and I was like, well, I, I said the truth. I said like you, you are basically existing on PlayStation and Spider-Man movies right now. And you're wherever you are in consumer electronics is just kind of like it's kind of wild because they they do crazy products i reviewed um i previewed the next speakers they uh, released several years ago it was the dumbest thing in the world it required like a dock that you had to plug in a computer or a tv into it didn't support bluetooth they are just like filled with questionable decisions oh by the way this thing uh the playstation portal does not support bluetooth so there's also that there's also that you can buy the PlayStation Pulse Explorer earbuds to pair with it. Those are another two hundred dollars. Thanks, Sony. This feels like um, the memory stick days, right? It feels like when you had to buy Sony memory cards because they didn't want to support SD cards. It almost feels like th that is a purposeful limitation, I'd say. It has the headphone jack nestled all the way underneath um, the way. and with the, along with the charger. It's like a hidden the hidden ports of the portal. Um, you know, the Sony handheld decisions drive me crazy. And then yeah. also on a totally tangential, but it, as of the week of handheld gaming, Microsoft's handheld decisions are driving me crazy. And it makes me feel like I go, what, what is it about these companies that have already been near or in these spaces that are not seeing the landscape and moving to optimize for it in their ways, you know? And I'm going to full Legion go into that, even though Microsoft Ooh. is not directly involved in it, but they should be. They should be. Microsoft should be involved in a lot more things, Scott. And meanwhile, I'm getting more and more press releases about, oh, we have a new AI copilot for uh, for for everything, literally everything. I am also baffled by what Microsoft is leaning into this year as well. Um, so you're testing a whole bunch of different things. Uh, any any initial thoughts on the Legion Go, Scott? which is a Windows device, it's a Windows handheld. Yeah, it's driving me crazy, but I appreciate it. So that's how I feel. It is a total under-the-hood type of a project device for me. Like, this is like if somebody's into Windows 
it's totally taking me out of my comfort zone and it makes me feel like an idiot. And I feel embarrassed by that, but I also go, okay, so I'm admitting it. And, but also it's, it's a combination of things. It's one, not being a PC gamer who optimizes uh, graphics normally for PC games, but also there's a lot of quirks on Legion Go anyhow. Like sometimes the controller won't work or sometimes there's, it says it won't run on this driver. That sounds and like a Lenovo device to me, Scott. So yeah, yeah. I had to hunt yeah. down the Lenovo drivers on the website, which apparently like wow. looking at a subreddit, like didn't, we didn't have the latest drivers, or maybe it did. And then I was like, I went to the site and downloaded. Should I have done that? Or running an EXE? I think it's okay. Okay, we're running it. This is the um, downside of portable PC gaming, by the way, is that it's a PC, right? You have to yes, do PC it's a PC. Stuff. It's a f- it is a yeah. full PC. That'll make some people incredibly excited. But then I go, okay, Microsoft, which makes the Xbox and has mm-hmm. Game Pass, um, has a a vector for this to become easy, fun, instant simple interface and then it is not enabling that in in any way that i can perceive to create a steam deck like console environment for windows handhelds and or even working with valve to just be like hey what what can we do to get that game pass app on the steam deck or something you know like i go back to steam deck and i go okay this is a complete in the middle between switch and pc where it's like you can get under the hood with it but it's a totally comforting uh console environment but the legion go has so many weird pieces that I go, I mean, the screen's great. The, the, the fact that it can run multiple game stores is really cool. Um, the detachable controllers and the kickstand. But also there are probably going to be a lot more of these now. The industry is opening yeah. up to handheld PC gaming. So it's like um, I would expect more come CES and elsewhere. You know, where's Razer in this picture? And like um, – they, they had – they announced something a while ago, right, Razer? I feel like they're – Yeah, well, they have like the Edge phone one now. But then there yeah. used to be the Edge – PC one that I looked at in 2013. And I was like, I'm like, they introduced this space ahead of the switch. Um, So I'm like, I think it's all going to come back around, but you need Microsoft in the middle there along with Valve to (laughs) not be like, where's the Xbox handheld or where's like, you know, just like get involved and then not to get away from Sony, but it's like then Sony as a super hardware company, um, yeah, like if you're going to have a handheld, you got to make it and make the games for it and bridge that. And like, do they want to support that? But they should. Every time Sony has done a handheld, they like sort of like don't give it enough uh, support, right? Like the Vita was, I think, fantastic. That thing shipped with OLED in 2012, 2013, like a beautiful OLED screen. I remember playing like 100 hours of Persona 4 Golden on that. And it was, I loved it. Um, but yeah, Sony is just too afraid, I feel like, to take those risks when it comes to handheld sometimes. Speaking of a Microsoft console, Scott, do we do we all remember the Logitech G Cloud handheld gaming console, which sold for $350? It's actually still on sale. Um, $350, all it does is stream. But it does have a big uh, Game Pass Xbox Cloud gaming app front and center. So that's something. Yeah, and it's that weird, like... It's like Apple experimenting in um, mm-hmm. phones with the rocker before the iPhone. It's like oh, that rocker was so cute. I did like the rocker. It looks so cool. Make the move, Microsoft. Like um, Steam Deck. Like I'm just surprised because the Switch seems they make the Switch look so ahead of its time when yeah. the Switch is actually lagging in a, in, a, in some tech. But like the idea of it now, like they did that. It's been existing for six years. This is like Nintendo did this. Like. With a 2017-era NVIDIA processor, right? Like yeah. That, and we're still running that. Tears of the Kingdom is running on that. Why can't you do this? I've been thinking this since 2018, that there will be more of these things. And now it seems like we're finally getting into handhelds kind of exploding. Uh-huh. But it also feels like they need a lot of work to 
I mean, the Steam Deck is really getting great. I still get pissed that I can't run Madden on it because of the anti-cheat thing. Like, it it, it won't run the mini authorization app. So again, another device I can't play. Yeah. I don't know why I care, I care about Madden because I'm a I'm a de- depressed Jets fan. But like, um, <laughs> so I need ways to vent. But um, you can't play it on Steam Deck. You can play. I tried on Legion Go and it was weirdly slow and terrible. I don't know if that's EA or Lenovo or I screwed mm-hmm, up. But mm-hmm. you can do it on Portal. It, it plays Madden. That's that's the headline, right? It plays Madden. Nothing else really does. Uh, I, I would say takeaways for listeners, by the way, um, if you were looking at any of these devices, I, I would sit tight. I would not invest in the Asus one. I would not invest in this Lenovo one. Like the Steam Deck does seem like the best, especially now that they have the OLED revision. Like that mid-range Steam Deck is a really good deal with more storage and a really nice screen. So that is like the one to jump on. Or just wait and see what what the Switch uh, follow-up is next year. Um, I bought a Switch OLED. I forget if it was earlier this year or it was like a couple months before Tears of the Kingdom. And I also really enjoy that too. Like I know how old that hardware is, but it feels so good. That OLED is so good. So that that is my like fanboy pick. I'll put that down. Yeah, I still love the Switch. I mean, obviously I cover a lot of Switch games, but like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, you know, it's never going to run the bleeding edge like other third-party games but like what nintendo does they're fantastic and indies like indie we've had so many great indies that don't need all that horsepower um so sherlin like is this landscape at all any more clear for you now or is it just getting more confusing no it just sounds like there's still a lot of things to figure out it still seems like companies are struggling to give us the perfect handheld even if the switch is really great it's not perfect by any means uh it sounds like the steam deck oled is also probably like that we talked about last episode i think is like one of the strongest ones out there, but there's a lot of interest. I have people like hitting me up going like Lenovo Legion Go or ROG Ally or all of these different like INAO ones. Like what's the better? I'm like, I think they all come with their own problems. They're all I think- like, yeah, do you want, do you want to be di- uh, diving into the Windows interface on an eight inch screen? Then good luck. And yeah, to, to kind of parallel it with like something I'm a lot more familiar with, it feels like an evergreen issue, whether depending on the product category or regardless of the product category of software not really meeting like, you know, hardware might be there on some, you know, cases like Android tablets. You'll never find a good like two in one Android tablet because the software just isn't good enough for it. I feel like Google in the same doesn't way, care enough. Yeah. Right. But it feels like in the same way, Windows PCs just can't really be played very well on handheld controller. Like that's why the third party makers can't really get them there. This happened too um, quickly for, for Microsoft. Microsoft yeah. does not move in like two or three year increments, right? Microsoft is a, oh, this is going to happen in five years. You 10, know, they yeah. invested in open AI, AI a long time ago, um, which is what led to Bing chat. So Microsoft can't move fast, unfortunately. Right. Right. So it just feels like an emblematic problem, like everywhere in every product category you're looking at, unless it's someone that owns both the hardware and software the way Apple does. And in this case, Microsoft could, like you said, step in because they have the software, Um, but they don't seem to really feel comfortable stepping in with the hardware side. Or like what Valve's doing. Yeah. It's like, I mean, what's interesting is that, um, you know, like I like that Valve has games that are, you know, these run on Steam Deck. We verified them. And then like, you know, obviously an iPhone is going to run things that run on iPhone. Switch has got switch optimized things. But like the Legion Go, I have no idea if a game is meant to be running on the Legion Go. And neither does the game. The game doesn't know. The game, you tell me. So I'm finding all sorts of quirks, problems, and even things like Ratchet and Clank on Steam crashed on legion go plays on steam deck i don't know why it just said something about the graphics and the something the video memory that's pc gaming those are the joys of pc gaming i don't know why this is not working why it was working yesterday yeah so i go so the legion go is like this like troubleshooting game and it's like early days i'm sure there'll be updates but like 
you're going to have to be a person who likes that's again it's like the car propped up on the cinder blocks like you you're going to you're going to want to get under the hood with this one you're it's a tinkerer console and, or or device um it's not, i don't even know if i call it a console it's more of a windows windows handle yeah yeah and um it doesn't feel console in the sense of the comforting they have the legion software but it's like a shell it's like a launcher you know it's 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 um so it, it, that's why it drives me. They're crazy. they're all band. Asa says the same thing. They're all band aids on top of Windows, and the problem is Windows ultimately. So we shall see. Anyway, Scott, final thoughts on the PlayStation Portal. Um, I know, like it sounded like you did like some of it, but uh, how are you feeling at this point? I do. Well, again, like coming back from the the whole week, as I bounced between Portal, Steam Deck, Legion yeah. Go towards the end of the week. Um, back to Portal. I mean, I appreciate the, what the Portal has actually compared to Legion Go, and I don't mean it like, I'm sorry, Lenovo, but, you know, mm-hmm. in the sense that it just works. It's a simple just work device. You know, some people are going to be like, but I already have that thing that just works. But at least it does that when your internet is functioning. And I have, I have like, not great internet, but um, but at least it works. And Do you live so, in, a, in a giant mansion, Scott? <laughs> so I live in a, yeah, I do live in a house, but not a giant mansion. <laughs> but it, but I live in Fancy Town in a, in a narrow house that that does have three floors. So it's like a so but that sounds pretty fancy. And it's the upstairs attic that has the the PlayStation and then yeah. I'm going to go downstairs and so I do is nice to play downstairs, but I have like 100 megabit Wi-Fi, you know, on a, like an old Verizon router with Eero like not the Wi-Fi 6 version. So so it's it's all like it works on yeah. that I just don't want – it's like cheap internet, so I don't want to like update it. Mm-hmm. This is my mm-hmm. whole story about my yeah, internet. But um, but that's – so at least it does work. And for the portal, it's it's a non-justifiable device unless I feel like it's, – it's totally like a treat to a PlayStation 5 owner who's like, mm-hmm. I buy everything PlayStation and I only want to play my PlayStation downstairs – I will pay the two hundred dollars. They they will do it. Yeah, the person with the with the Sony Christmas sweater and everything. Yeah, yeah. And I go, it's not a crazy product for that because it does exact as long as you know exactly what it is doing. Mm-hmm. I actually thought the screen crispness was really nice. Mm. The frame rate was not so nice, but like the detail for the size of the screen, because I often find on a phone or even on the Steam Deck on the seven twenty p making out some of the text. It's not just my eyesight. It's the resolution of the size of the text. Yeah. And this is a 1080p screen on the portal, so that's nice. 1080p, 8-inch. And so you can read all those little things, and I appreciate that. Um, that's a small, small note. It's a, I mean, it's worth noting. I thought the screen was just fine. It's. I, I wish it just worked. That could have been my headline. I wish it just worked because I just ran into so many issues where I was like, I don't know if I can trust this thing, even when... The streaming does work nicely, you know, so you know what, folks, let us know what you think. Are you a PlayStation 5 owner? Do you want the PlayStation portal or do you want to wait till it's inevitably much, much cheaper, which I think it will be within a year? Um, what the hell is Sony thinking? Let us know. Podcast and gadget.com. Scott, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Where can people find you online these days? I don't even know. So I, I think you yeah. can, you can you find me on CNET. Um, you can find me still on X. You can find me on threads. Like I need th- threads friends. And, um, I, 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 I we're on, we're friends on, on threads. threads, right? Yeah. We're on we're threads, on but like my, are, my, my footprint on Fred threads is, is a microscopic little thing. So Same. I'm trying to, yeah. trying to make my way. 
And um, I guess I have been on Blue Sky and Mastodon, but I've forgotten to. So yeah, Mastodon's fun. Mastodon, if you want to nerd out with the tech geeks, it, it is. It's just too many. I, I just want them all to cross post. Too many that, things. That's where you can that. find I me. I would love that. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you can find me. Uh, the next startup will be yet another. Uh, there were so many cross posting social media, you know, pl- uh, platforms back in the day. So that's going to happen again for sure. All right, Scott. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. All right, let's move on to some other news. And speaking of Microsoft doing AI stuff, uh, there was a bunch of news out of Microsoft Ignite this week, which is their big, um, I guess, what what is that? Is that their enterprise and cloud service? You know, it's the one where they talk to companies, basically. Yeah. Yeah, they have so many events. But the, this is their more, like, like, this is not always the news we look at, but there was some uh, relevant stuff here. Uh, Microsoft announced it's rebranding Bing Chat, uh, the Bing Chat AI, as Copilot. So now, Copilot, all the things. Bing Chat Enterprise as well is just going to be called Copilot. Um, it's going to be part of the Microsoft 365 license for a lot of companies. It's still using you know GPT-4 and Dolly 3, like Copi- like all the other Copilot stuff. So they're just kind of formalizing what this thing's going to be called, and they're going all in on Copilot, baby. And uh, Microsoft, uh, there were rumors that Microsoft was building its own chips around AI stuff too. They confirmed that they do have two chips that they have designed: the Azure Maya AI Accelerator and the Azure Cobalt CPU. So the Azure, that Cobalt CPU is going to be something you can, uh, if you bought Azure server space or like um, actual computing stuff, uh, you can, I guess, tap into that. And the Maya Accelerator is going to be something Microsoft is using for like Copilot. So uh, to put into server racks to speed up Copilot processing. What do you think about this at this point, Trulin? Does it make sense? A uh, big yawn. I don't, don't care, care anymore. anymore. Really, I don't care about all these. I, I do. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I can't. Uh, I totally understand, Sherlyn, because we're we're working on end of year stories, and like I feel like as a preview to what is percolating in my mind right now, it's like I don't think Microsoft knows what the hell it's doing. Like I think this is so all the Copilot stuff just feels so desperate, right? Like Copilot all the things, except you can't trust it. I think Microsoft you know, at the start of the year seemed like it was pulling ahead in this race, right? With the Bing AI launch reveal event that got Google scared enough to be like, Bart, Bart, Bart. But then now it seems like, yeah, we're we're looking at how much more thoughtful and how much more Google's expertise in this area has given it kind of the competitive edge over Microsoft. Microsoft is more like, we have all these software products, we're embedding all of this stuff in it, but because it's tapping open AI and not really having the expertise itself in-house, I think it, um, we're seeing the limits of its imagination. Whereas like Google has been working on, I'm sure secretly, so many more different but ways wait, wait. to use have generative you, AI. Have you seen I mean, it actually we, announced? Because it sounds like you're assuming Google's. Uh, what What is what? Google working on that is better than... I mean, the fact that Google has been able to integrate generative AI into a Pixel phone, the fact that generative AI is coming out on a lot of different Google products, and Google also has a lot more products, I think, than Microsoft does in terms of like consumer-facing. Um, more than Windows? It is... How about Android? How about Search? How about, you know, Drive? How about Cloud? How about Chrome, the browser? I mean, there's a lot of different, like, I think it's probably also the fact that you cover Microsoft more and I cover Google more, and probably we both have our own biases yeah. coming into this. But I'm I'm generally wondering, like, is there a BARD? Like, yes, BARD is something you can access through Chrome, but is there any sort of, like... I mean, obviously, I'm not just talking about BART. BART is the chatbot version. And BART is what Google announced in response to, you know, Microsoft going Bing AI event. But more like Google's AI smarts have always been further developed than I think Microsoft, at least if we're talking about pure assistant stuff. 
like I feel like Google has had more years of experience on that front than Microsoft, at least on AI. Um, I can't. I I will. I will acknowledge that like Microsoft has a lot of cloud uh, expertise and all of that infrastructure from Azure stuff. So you're you're not wrong. I think in saying that Microsoft is a little directionless right now, maybe a little lost. And I think maybe yeah. I, to what you're saying, I think you are right, Sherlyn, that Google maybe has a clearer sense of what it wants to do with AI. So they're a little more focused. And I think that is what Microsoft is lacking, right? I think the copilot and everything, like I don't, like speaking of all the copilot stuff, uh, Microsoft is also officially announcing today that copilot is coming to Windows 10. And that is an operating system Ooh, that is going to not be, they're not going to officially support, you know, in a couple of years. Um but it's important enough to Microsoft to bring it to the old OS because a lot of people are still there. I don't, it just, I see the use case, right? Like I see the little copilot icon in my taskbar. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I could, I could ask it questions. I could do, I could put documents in it. I can ask it to summarize things. I have not really been doing that much. Um, I have been using other things, tapping into uh, large language models like Mac Whisper that I was talking about, where you could just drop in an audio file and it gives you a nice transcript. Um, I don't think Copilot can fully do that yet with big files. So I'm just like, I wonder if Microsoft is building the thing and this like potential use case for a lot of people, like the way they built Windows 8. and was like, hey, everybody wants tablets, right? Everybody wants tablets in there with Windows, right? And nobody <laughs> wanted it. I feel like they're kind of on the, the cusp of the same thing, personally. To your point, I think that um, maybe as writers, you and I haven't relied as much on generative AI to do our work for us because you and I maybe are more like, this is our job. We love writing sure, or we sure. want to write ourselves. Whereas like I know of people who have started relying more on things like ChatGPT to write up their essays, their research proposals, that sort of stuff. And, you know, I, I all I can say is if you're out there listening and you've turned to Copilot or, or ChatGPT or whatever it is you use um, so much more in your life right now, you probably have a different experience from us. But I think Copilot suffers from the similar like um, set up that every other generative AI does, which is that are people going to use it? And if so, like how much more useful is it that is integrated into your OS? I think it's more useful for sure to be uh, available through Windows. Is, is it a toy or is it actually like a functional, useful tool that you can, is it a toy or is it a tool? Like, I think that is the ultimate thing. And I, I think Microsoft is pitching this as like Copilot. It sounds very fancy. It sounds like an actual thing that's going to help you get work done. I, I just don't know. So yeah, let us know, folks. Podcastingandgadget.com. I am uh, I am ambivalent about uh, Microsoft's big AI push at this point. But you want to talk about something else, Roland. Uh There was a cool announcement around the Qi2 wireless yeah. standard. There's, there's a bunch of things going on. Uh, this week, Apple announced... Well, Apple announced a, a different thing, but... We learned earlier this year that there's a new standard of um, T, which is the wireless charging standard coming out, a new generation of T, which is T2. And when it was announced earlier this year, I think as early as January, um, it was built using Apple's MagSafe technology. It would use the alignment of the coils and, and have some sort of magnetic attachment so that you could hold the devices in place. That alignment would be better uh, and, and allow for, I guess, more secure and faster charging speeds, potentially. That was wild, by the way. Just the idea that that piece of Apple tech would be going to this uh, open standard. Open standard, basically. yeah. Yeah. Huh. It is. It is wild to me. And so I think that that's why I was uh, surprised. And um, t this week, what was announced is that T2 is now available on all these latest products, including the iPhone 15 series, which is already there. 
Um, so that is awesome if you already have a T2 compatible device, which means you were out there buying these things <laughs> when they were selling. Like Anker, I believe, has some. Uh, I think Belkin or no, Belkin and Mofi um, also had announced T2 products. So you could use all of these um, soon to have slightly faster uh, charging rates with the with the wireless charging. It is replacing the original T charging standard, which is over 13 years old now. Holy crap. Um, T2 offers support for 15 watt charging, which to be fair, is still actually quite slow, but much faster than existing wireless charging. Um, it will also have enhanced safety features to prevent device damage or battery life shortening, which is really good for long-term use. And it will have something called foreign object detection and this interoperability is, you know, the fact that Apple is on board and, and Android, you know, it's an open standard. Android phones can use these like MagSafe. It means third-party companies, again, like Anker, Belkin, and Mofi don't need to make a separate like MagSafe thing versus a T2 for Androids thing. One wireless charging device should be good for both Android and Apple devices. So that is really nice to see um, this week. I just want to point out while we're on T2 that the standard itself looks cool, but the MagSafe stuff does really make a difference. Like, I don't know if you've been using any of those chargers, Sherlyn, but I've got a, I got one of the Belkin ones that uh, the MagSafe like wireless charger uh, by my bedside to hold the phone in landscape mode. And that turns on the, the whole like nighttime mode on the iPhone 15. Standby. Yeah. Um, yeah standby. Um, but it is kind of nice just to be able to like, okay, just like slap this thing on. I put it on my nightstand yeah. and that's it. So there's no like fiddling. I'm like, is it, yeah. can I get the cable? Can I get the cable in the port properly? Uh, I could just like slap it on. It's a big, it feels like um the slap bracelets almost. Like it's a nice <laughs> thunk that just gets on. It's like, okay, I'm secure. I can go to bed now. I honestly, over time, this is one of the many little things I've come to like about Apple devices. I know, I know I... And <laughs> still an Android person at heart. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, on, on these little things like MagSafe, I have the same, I don't know if it's the exact same stand, but the iPhone 15 review units came with this Belkin uh, wireless charging stand as well. And yes, Mac, like being able to snap on, regardless of whether it's the 15 or the 15 Pro Max, it snaps on, it holds in place, It you can turn it around without moving the, the magnet or like having to reattach, and attach, dis detach and reattach. Um, and then the base also has a secondary like um, charging platform so you can charge multiple devices at once. It's, you know, it's very like handy and yeah, it's secure enough to hold it in place. Uh, and it would be nice if eventually this was uh, an Android, you know, available thing too. Now, is it one of the things that I think will pull people away from Android into Apple? No, I don't think MagSafe is like that huge. I think, you know, Android still has the lead with things like reverse wireless charging and all of that stuff, which Apple still still doesn't offer. It does offer reverse charging, but through USB-C. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Apple does eventually that soon. Um, I can, also, I can see that. Yeah. It's more, yeah, yeah, go ahead. It seems like it's a year for Apple to like start adopting different charging standards, start opening up like charging things like with USB-C, with MagSafe coming to T2. It's, it's actually quite nice to see. That's cool. Have we seen with T2, like there was talk early on with uh, wireless, you know, power and something that annoyed me was that it did feel really inefficient. It did feel like maybe we were wasting power because one of the nicest things, one of the most direct ways to ensure you were getting power to device is to plug a cable into it. You know, it's not like going out into the world. Does she too fix any of that? Help with I don't that? know that it does. I haven't looked at the standard closely enough. Uh, I haven't like read the like fine print type of thing. I will also note that like earlier this year or was it late last year, I tested the uh, Tesla AirPower <laughs> charging mm -hmm. mat. <laughs> yes, 
Yeah. Just was like, it felt like a fire has hazard sitting <laughs> on my desk. So I was like, you know what? Why I is your give... desk warm localized in one location? Well, or yeah. why is this charging pad going when I leave my phone on it? It just felt very weird. So I was like, listen, I am more than happy to give these wireless charging people time to figure out how to deliver more power and do it more efficiently so you're not losing a lot of this power in the transfer. Um, yeah, like take your time. Don't don't put a, an exploding thing near me, you know? It's right by my face. To, to, totally makes sense. And talk about like another thing that I think um, Apple, like also Apple related, right? Uh, they announced that they are extending the emergency SOS satellite access for another year for existing iPhone 14 owners. This is funny because we still don't know the pricing. We don't know what this is going to cost when they're I not covering we, the speed. We, yeah, we, we read somewhere about like uh, yeah, what exactly was the provider they were using, but we I don't know that anyone can settle on sort of a pricing. They, they never announced it. it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's mostly because, like, for Apple, the, the way they've marketed emergency SOS or think about it is that this is just something you use when you need it. Only when you, So how do you really sell a plan, right, for something that you only use when you need? I will point out, though, that goddamn Google and Fitbit on the new Pixel Watch 2, this annoys me only because I hate Fitbit Premium so much. But, like, Fitbit Premium, when you subscribe to it, which is, like, I was going to say Netflix prices, but Netflix prices just went up. Uh, it's about slightly cheaper than Netflix prices, right? Like $10 a month. You get all of that extra like coaching, meditative, whatever stuff with Fitbit Premium. But you also get through the Pixel Watch 2, um, basically emergency like cellular access. So if like if you're out of range of your own uh, service provider or you're using a LTE watch, but you didn't actually pay for an LTE plan on that watch, you can actually with a Fitbit premium subscription, use it like a cellular communicator uh, when you you know, when you are like in need of emergency services or need to use that, like, you know. so only if you have Fitbit Premium will Google right. save you when you're exactly. Stuck in the I was like, really? I this is like, the huh? problem. This is the problem, right? Where it's like you don't. Apple has all these stories about like SOS saving people. Uh, somebody's car drew. They flew off a cliff, and they were able to use emergency SOS to get help. Um, and Batman the appears, story, yeah. and then Batman appears thanks to Apple. But if the story is you have this feature and this customer did not have it was not subscribed to it or like their subscription lapsed, right? Because their credit card changed or something. And that person died because of that. That's not a good story. No, that, that, I wouldn't that hear fact. it too because nobody would be marketing it or hyping up that story. Nobody now. would be hyping it, but that would be the story that, uh, you know, um, uh, other like uh, tech criticism sites will latch on. I mean, like every Tesla fire is like a thing that is a free for all with some media sites. Um, I, th I think that's it's sort of like an ethical problem for Apple, right? Like right now, Apple is paying the bill for these yeah. SOS calls. So, so yeah. I want to point out that like in other related news this week, and it, this is probably evidence why Apple needs to stick to its current way of offering it for free. Uh, and it, it, this week, we also learned that the Qualcomm's satellite texting plan is dead because phone makers are not interested. Because uh, <laughs> they have to pay for it. Yeah, because we'd be able to pay. Yeah. And like, so in January at CES, we saw, and Qualcomm, like, ooh, I probably spent a ton of money flying people out. It, it took everyone out into the middle of the desert in, in, you know, Nevada or something and announced Snapdragon Satellite, which was a project that was supposed to be the Android.
Android answer to emergency uh, SOS via satellite. Uh, Shout it out to have, Carissa Bell who went to the desert for us. And it would have allowed Android people to text over satellite. But now we are learning that Qualcomm is ending its, uh, its partnership with Iridium, who was the satellite phone maker who they partnered with for this program. Uh, and Iridium said, uh, according... Uh, it said in a statement, which I love because I didn't think I, I personally don't think that Qualcomm would have come out and been like as transparent as this. But yeah, Iridium yeah, said, yeah. although the pair had successfully developed and demonstrated the technology, smartphone makers, quote, have not included the technology in their devices. So it's kind of like, and <laughs> nobody, none of these companies want to do it. They weren't able to convince Samsung or or OnePlus or whoever else Snapdragon or or Qualcomm still works with. I think part of it is um, you know, lack of demonstrated desire for a feature like this that is like active like someone would pay for it the other part of it is qualcomm would would also like need to be in phones right and they're like we've talked about this before like more and more they're losing market share mobile chips tend to be made by companies themselves so google is not going to buy a qualcomm chip anymore i don't think so if you can't get samsung and google on board that's pretty much all of the android phone market this Um, by the way is like the microcosm of the the trouble with qualcomm right or at least the android market in general right it's like it's like trying to plan a vacation with a group of your friends right Uh, apple apple can do whatever the hell it wants apple can take its money and go to aruba they don't have to like check in with anybody qualcomm has to tap into all the android makers and be like hey guys where are we going this year where are we we going to the beach we go in the mountains everybody has to agree and then if they don't agree, uh, then then that whole plan just kind of fizzles. So we've heard a lot of announcements of things from Qualcomm, Sherlyn. Like, I, I feel like this is the f- super fast charging and stuff, like, was stuff we were hearing about for years before it actually showed up in phones. Um, Qualcomm has to wait for their stuff to be implemented yes, exactly. for it to actually be useful. Whereas Apple will just be like, I'm doing it because I own the hardware and the software stack and the I can force – uh, satellite companies to be like, uh, we're going to implement this. And Apple also has the cash reserves just to pay for it until like, until like it, they don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is speaking to like Qualcomm's business model and other companies like MediaTek, but more Qualcomm than anyone else, because Qualcomm has long been in the business of like IPing a bunch of like new technologies for phones, right? Through their chips. So you've got the, like you said, the fast charging. Um, I think I can't remember offhand all of the other like things that Qualcomm patented that like it works with other companies to do. But um, as we're seeing people edge out Qualcomm, to your point, uh, as as their chip maker, we're seeing people like do all these things on their own as well. It's not gonna. I, I yeah, I really don't think it's gonna work. We're also seeing like uh, Qualcomm apparently told, well, reportedly or actually seem to have told CNBC that smartphone makers have quote indicated a preference towards standards based solutions, and which is quote, good. Okay. For satellite connectivity, which is good, um, but to put that in more transparent or other non-corporate speak, it's, they're looking for a more open approach that doesn't um, need Qualcomm in between, right? And so I don't think that actually exists. The open there's none approach yet, to satellite yeah. calling at this point. So that that's a thing that needs to be invented. Like uh, these companies would rather wait years, right? Yes, apparently Starlink yeah. is Starlink is going to roll out its satellite SMS service next year. Uh, satellite-powered voice and data functions may eventually come out too directly through phones, so you don't need to have a Starlink terminal uh, to be able to access that. So, like, there are other ways to it. And Instead people- of relying on Qualcomm, you can rely on an Elon Musk company. What can go wrong? 
it just seems like a very tricky situation. I think a lot of people are interested in this emergency SOS feature the way that like Apple put it out there, a positioned it. But it seems like when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of like actually having satellite communications in your hands, people don't actually want to pay for it uh, the way we are paying for Netflix, I guess. So this this is this is a damn shame. And I'll, it's one of those things where I, I'm also kind of paranoid, especially now that I'm a dad and I have like paranoid dad brain, Shulin. I'm always thinking about how things can go wrong. Like if we're going on a trip, like uh, what if we, what if the car breaks down in the middle of nowhere? How do I, how do I get help? And that is literally one thing that would keep me on an iPhone versus an Android, to be honest. Like the fact that that sort of stuff is more easily accessible now. And I think maybe a lot of people are starting to feel that way, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I get a little kick when I'm like stuck on the subway or the path or whatever. And I see um the emergency SOS and then the satellite signal show up. And I'm like, wait, we get satellite underground? Like, cool. Yeah, well, I don't know where I was one time, but I saw the satellite icon pop up. I was like, whoa, okay. But it was, yeah, pretty interesting. So speaking of Apple and like texting and all of that stuff, one of the biggest issues obviously with uh, Apple and Android and messages is no Android phones. Can I message, right? And I think we've all been like wondering where the solution is or what the solution is. Uh, and as, you know, are we going to wait for third parties to come in and make an app? I don't know, but nothing, nothing. The company that makes a like, transparent looking devices or transparent devices or phones or, you know, headphones uh, this week announced something called the Nothing Chats, which is a messaging app that supports both RCS and iMessage. Now it uses a unified messaging platform called Sunbird, um, which has been available in closed beta since the end of last year. Sunbird would allow users to access all of their chats, including iMessage from one interface. So basically nothing, just use an already available platform to make a new app. And it's like, oh, use this to iMessage on our Android phone. Do you, do you know how Sunbird works by the way, Sherlyn? Not quite, but 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 I will point out that I am aware that Sunbird is apparently very sketchy, but go ahead. It's sketchy in the way that they are working, they're using a workaround and that Apple like could close at any point. But from what I've read and what's in our piece is that, um, <laughs> let's see, uh, Sunbird's quote, patent and process for bringing iMessage to Android involves server farms of Mac minis that route a user's messages through to Apple. That... That can't last. That's not <laughs> scalable. Are you in what? This is this is again nothing. Um, I hate the brand name, but also uh, the Carl Pay revealed uh, they have uh, hundreds, uh, six figures worth of uh, nothing phone two devices in North America, and uh, they will surely support bringing iMessage to Android on those. So, like, if a phone is what devices. like. Say a phone is what nine hundred dollars. Let's round it up a thousand dollars, and they sold. Let's say six figures at the very lowest is a hundred thousand. They've sold a hundred phones. They've sold. They, yeah, yeah. That it, it could be any, wait it in could North be America, any, Britain, and Europe. Okay, more than that. At least a hundred phones are out there. All right. This is just yeah, North America. I mean, All that's right. not many phones. That's not many phones. Not there many is so phones. much publicity for this thing that is not going to yeah. reach many users. Yeah. I will say, I think it's worth noting that nothing told Inverse that all iMessage content sent through chats is encrypted and that, quote, at no point can Sunbird access your messages or Apple ID. Uh, nothing noted that it will delete a user's Apple ID credentials after two weeks of inactivity. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, this doesn't feel secure because you've got a third party in between. You've also... Apple's going to kill this. Oh Apple my God. Probably going to find out a way to cut that work around. It just feels 
uncomfortable, but it is. It also feels like a good marketing thing for nothing to jump on. Literally, uh, all it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and that is. This iffy, but if hey, if you're if you were considering the Nothing Chats app, or if you were you know a Nothing Phone owner, or if you're just learning about Sunbird and now curious about That's like cool, like I am, cool yeah, curious about using it, uh, yeah, like Devendra said, there is probably some kind of clock on how long this will work. And this I, is I all this has all happened before and will happen again. Um, Sherlyn, I was mentioning to you the story that as uh, before your time, but when the Pompri was big and happening there was a lot of news like oh my god palm got integration with itunes going and everyone's excited about that one week later uh apple kills the palm <laughs> the palm itunes integration like it's or, these things don't last yeah yeah it's like also kind of like how um you know when you used to be able to jailbreak your iphone <laughs> i don't know every time you a can new still jailbreak, jailbreak your iphone but yeah, but every time a new to. jailbreak yeah. method catches the attention of a lot of people, then it's cut again. Like it just keeps getting shut down. So uh, I don't know. Um. Anyway, so wait, wait. I'm really yes. wondering. Uh, first of all, Carl Pay was talking to everybody, didn't talk to us. So I do feel left out. I, 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 I I'm sure Carl Pay spoke to us. I will say I think Sam's out. Uh, we know the nothing people pretty well. We just haven't neither sam nor i have both been like very around lately so yeah you guys deserve a break too it's just uh <laughs> hey everyone this is devendra with a quick update shortly after we stopped recording apple announced that it would be officially supporting rcs which is the imessage like standard that android currently supports it delivers things like higher quality um, images and videos. You'll also get read receipts and, you know, features like that. Something that feels like modern texting. So, no, this won't bring iMessage over to Android. That is a whole separate thing entirely. It will make it easier to communicate with people who are using Android. Um, you know, if an iPhone user sends an Android user a high quality video right now, that usually gets uh, scaled down quite a bit for Android. So that's not fun. In a statement to 9to5Mac, an Apple spokesperson said they believe the RCS profile will offer, quote, a better interoperability experience when compared to SMS or MMS. This will work alongside iMessage, which will continue to be the best and most secure messaging experience for Apple users, end quote. RCS doesn't support end-to-end -end encryption like uh, iMessage, so Apple's certainly going to lean on the more secure thing. And SMS and MMS support will also stick around, you know, if in case you're uh, texting somebody who doesn't uh, use an RCS carrier or sometimes that feature just gets disabled, um, you know, it's going to be around as a backup. The Nothing Two Phones iMessage feature certainly goes a little further, but uh, it also seems even in more danger now if um, regular Android users can just text with nice RCS rich text stuff uh, with iPhone users. There's less of a reason to hack iMessage into a platform. Anyway, check out Sherlin's story about the Apple RCS move over on Engadget, and uh, we'll definitely be talking about this more in the next few weeks. You also had something about WhatsApp, right, Sherlin? So, yeah, I mean, chat, like, talking about, like, all these encrypted messages or whatever, I, I don't know if you, WhatsApp is one of those apps that we kind of use as an imperfect mechanism to get people on Android and Apple talking to each other, I guess. I still say Telegram all the way, but if you're a WhatsApp user and if you've been backing up your chats to Google Drive... Uh, you, you know, heads up, they will soon take up storage space that counts toward your Google Drive limit. So if you have the free 200 gigs or 100 gigs, uh, and your WhatsApp chats are heavy on store, like they take up a lot of storage space, especially if you're like in one of those group chats that, that like ridiculously sends videos 
like three hour long videos for no reason, uh, then yeah, maybe keep an eye out. Maybe don't download them. Maybe don't back up your media uh, to this, to by the way, references a 2018 deal, right? Like to, it was a deal between WhatsApp and Google to be like, hey, if you back up your chats here, won't count against your space. So it was sort of like free unlimited storage almost just for your WhatsApp chats. Well, and to be fair, I mean, I mm -hmm. think a chat transcription, the chat log alone, just the text never really takes up that much space, right? At most, what is it? Like if you've years and years of text only chats can go up to what? At most 500 megabytes? Like what are we, how, not, how much? Not not even. I, I used not to actually, even. throughout college and the years after college, uh, I used to use Trillion which was a wonderful app for unifying AIM, ICQ, everything all at once. I had like maybe a decade's worth of text logs, Trillin. I think it was maybe 50 megabytes because it was just all just all text. But yeah. your WhatsApp chats has media, it has video, can have photos. Right. So yeah. It's so so yeah, as a person, I, I back up to uh, drive uh, some of my chats. And it's like, I look at the collection of pictures and like, ah, you know, I send a lot of pictures as well. And yeah, it's it does take up a lot of space, especially if you send a lot of pictures and memes to each other. Um, so just be aware if you're, I mean, I'm on a like big plan storage wise, um, so I'm not too worried, but, um, if you're on the free plan, this is, this is going to be something in December that you want to start taking notice of because, uh, that's when it will start rolling out to WhatsApp beta users. And then finally, there's a bunch of Google news as well this week related, I guess, we were talking about Google Drive. Uh, YouTube. This one seems to, seem to have excited you a bit more than I, uh, Devendra. YouTube's rolling out the high bitrate 1080p uh, to premium subscribers, and it added some new AI features. Does that matter to you? I mean, so high bitrate 1080p was something they, they've recently started testing, and it's really useful for stuff like game streams and uh, maybe 60 FPS streams where you just want like like the clearest content available. Uh, so maybe you care less about 4K, right? You care less about the resolution, just more about like how how clear the frame looks. Um, so yeah, it's a cool feature. It's going to be rolling out to what Android, the web, smart TVs, not just iOS. So, but this is for premium subscribers, and we've talked about this before. I do think YouTube Premium is totally worth it because the ads have gotten so bad. The ability to ad blocker is gone. Through, <laughs> ad blocker is gone. The ability to breeze through YouTube and just like watch whatever you want, like be be a king among um, a god among streaming media, uh, for fifteen dollars a month or however much it is now, um, it's totally worth it for me because I spend so much time online and we watch stuff on the TV too on YouTube. So this is a cool feature. Um, premium subscribers are also getting like AI generated summaries of comment sections. So that's kind of cool as well. Like, are you are you more sold on this yet? I forget if you're a premium sub or Sherlyn. I am an aspirational premium <laughs> subscriber because I I I feel like I should. Uh, I hate the ads, but I've also just like stopped watching uh, YouTube as much just because of that. Because I'm salty and I don't want to watch it. And I'm like, yeah. Um, but you know, it's interesting to see i guess it's a good thing because you're paying more money you should get more than just it should look better you know. it's yeah, 2023 exactly. youtube was founded almost 20 years ago so yeah we, we should make our 1080p content look better you know i feel like that 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 just seems fair but this should also be something coming down to everybody not just premium users to be honest so it's like one of those things um i saw we saw a story Shalom, that i know you were excited about because you just really want to get I, it was just to It wasn't just me. It was everyone on our team that was around at that time. Everyone was pretty excited about the fact that this week, Sesame Street 
uh, now is available. Or Sesame Street characters are now available on Cameo, which is the uh, service where you can pay for a celebrity or like famous person to send you a personalized video message. I've done um, Cameos. It's great. It's a great service. Yeah, it's a great company gift. Seems like a mess. Yeah. Yeah, you can write scripts for them to say, I guess. So uh, in this case, though, these are AI-powered um character videos so it's not the muppet it's not the 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 character actor uh using the actual muppet this is a cartoon um and they're you know you can pay 25 dollars for each video message featuring elmo or cookie monster they can do things like count to your kid's age or rattle off words that start with the same letter as your child's name so for example my name's sherlyn they can say cheese cake Cupcake. I think the AI will see your name and be like, I don't, does not compute. I don't oh, know. That is so It's going to be the same thing. Um, I do wonder, so these are AI voices, but these AI voices are surely trained on all the like live action performers who've pr- played these characters. Um, they'd want it to sound like the characters. So this is an instance yeah. where I'm pretty sure those actors are not going to get anything out of this so true it's another one of those weird mm -hmm. it's only 25 dollars a video i'm sure they don't make enough money well it depends maybe the it's a and i believe it's a non-profit thing like sesame street is a really i like the company um but it just seems like this is another thing where are you being fair to your performers here or should uh, should these things be going through the performers instead it's a cool use of ai but these characters right it's not like these characters just came out of nowhere Right, like a, a yeah, human performer had to sit and think exactly. about how to voice this how to thing, voice, how to give yeah. it a personality, and now the AI is going to like look at that and be like, "Okay, I could do that. And I'm going to make money for the company rather than you know the person who's helping." So I don't know. It's one of those things. Are you are you going to do this for any any young family, Sherlyn or friends? Screw them. No. Uh, <laughs> right <laughs> now, I kids. don't know. I don't know anyone mm-hmm. that um, in my life. You know life Sam's that kid. You can get one for them. Sam's kid. Yeah, but I don't think Sam's kid likes uh, the Sesame Street characters just yet. Oh, and I man. think also maybe you Sam guys are can get failing it for them. Sam's kid. Come on. Well, I think Sam. No, no, no. Sam's <laughs> yeah, yeah, kid yeah. watches other things. I'll leave it to Sam to decide, like what you know, to disclose about his kid or like what he wants to show his kid. But like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's uh it's it's not something that I would do because I don't know the kids in my life that well. Um, but I yeah, also want to say no children. It's okay. Not at the moment or who knows. Um, but, but I, uh, <laughs> I will say I have been thinking about holiday shopping and gifts, right? Other gifts that I can buy people. Like that's the thing. Like when I want to buy a gift for a kid in my life, I'm not necessarily thinking a video message because I feel like that's a very personal thing to give. You'd sit there and show it to them and watch their reaction and then they forget about it right as a fun and no they will I watch it in. a million times over and over. Like, yeah and i'm not i'm not there with them to show it to them at bedtime when they want i mean i can send it to the parent probably but i, w- I would like to be you know there so eventually maybe if i have a kid that lives with me i'll, I'll do that but anyway so uh, i i'm out there shopping and like i'm the fun aunt and i gotta find the fun aunt gifts so i'm out there looking for i don't know one of the f- kids in my life likes fart machines so I got to go look for a new fart machine this year uh, and, and other things. But what happened yeah, to what the old one? Uh, no, she just collects them every year. She's got a huge collection of fart machines. She's a weirdo. I feel like you're a bad influence here, Sherlyn. I'm a good influence. What are you talking about? Um, but yeah, Black Friday is coming up. I'm very excited. I've got a lot of stuff in my my carts to, to buy. I usually get my like, this is one of my annual stock ups where I get all my home goods, my bathing, my toiletry supplies and all of that stuff. I just stock up every year. And my fart machines. Um, anything you're keeping an eye on for Black Friday, Devendra? 
Um, I don't know. At this point, I'm just as it's it's so tiring. Uh, we did have a deal on Engadget, so keep an eye out on the stuff we were promoting, folks. Uh, but we did post something about the Breville Smart Oven Air Fryer Pro. I do like the Breville Smart Oven. Um, we got one a couple of years ago when it was on sale, and I was thinking to myself, what would I use a toaster oven for? Um, flash forward a couple of years, everything. Use it Ugh. for everything. Yes. I can bake. I could do toast. I could do bagels. I could roast a whole chicken in there without uh without uh heating up my entire oven um it is so fast it's so useful it's great with kids because if i need to make french fries i have like i'm always time constrained in terms of how long i have to cook things so toaster oven is super useful i can cook a whole dinner basically in that in 30 minutes you know or get french fries ready so uh we're looking at this one because it has the air fryer features it's a little bigger um, maybe more useful. Um, I'd recommend it to everybody if you have to prepare meals and stuff. Uh, any toaster oven is good, but I really like the Breville Smart Ovens. Let's talk about some things from uh, Rounding Gadget, specifically one story. Sherlyn, you want to highlight? Um, yes. We did. We did a feature, a video feature on how the MTA's MetroCard vending machine became a New York design icon by yeah. our one of our video shooters, Joel Chakatu. This is a cool thing because I like these vending machines. So, uh, yeah, Joel Chukatu came to our team and I don't know if they already had like the idea or like somehow just chanced upon this reporting opportunity, but, um, this has been months and months in the works. I remember accompanying Joel and our video team to uh, go to one of the interviews with the person or the team that designed the original New York city subway, uh, Metro car vending machine, uh, if you've ever been here to New York City, I mean, we know the subway card is iconic. We know the subway is iconic. And, well, in, and the in subway that- card is is still relatively new to a lot of people, right? Because uh, when my wife was growing up in New York, it was tokens, right? I'm sure producer Ben could talk about that too. There were coins. I yeah. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of different like iconic parts of New York City, I'm sure. But like, and, and, and to me, part of that fabric of what makes New York so like recognizable and the subway system so iconic is the vending machine. I mean, I learned from that interview from being there uh, is how and why the designers came up with that, all the different bright colors. Like, you know, why is the red this part? Why is the yellow that part? Why is the green that part? Why did they use such big, bright colors? Um, and they had to design for simplicity, ease of use. Um, but all of that is like you like how the subway cart replaced the token system, right? All of that is now being replaced by a more modern method of the OMNY machine, which is to uh, tap in, tap out, uh, contactless, non-swipe payment. And I I don't know if you do this, Devendra, but I'm one of those like New Yorkers who like I I take pride in how well I was able to swipe in the turnstiles. Like, yeah, you have to like they were so finicky. Yeah, you have to, to learn. Card. Like one one thing yeah. when you move to New York, like it will take you a couple of months to learn the swipe. And if uh if you're in a bad swipe run and that line oh of every winter starts a lineup yeah. behind you and everyone gets more and more frustrated. Like yeah, learning to swipe is an art, and we were losing it now thanks to contactless stuff. I don't know. Yes. Cards. Yeah. Exactly. So if you have any sort of fondness at all for the for the New York City Metro card and the vending machine and the system altogether, and you want to learn a bit more uh, about how those machines came to be, the video on Engadget's YouTube channel called the How the MTA's Vending Machine Became a New York Design Icon is a very uh probably a very meaningful one to watch. It's very insightful for me. Um, and just a I think a great project by our video team. We want to make more feature videos on interesting things like that. Uh, So let us know how you think, obviously, and leave a nice comment if you have time. 
It's it's a cute, fun thing. I also, I, I know, like, this is something other publications have started doing, too. Like, little tidbits of facts that you find in YouTube. This is why I like just sitting and watching YouTube, Trillin. Like, it's just it's stuff been, like, I could yeah. I could travel the world. I could learn about this uh, MTA vending machine, which has been a big part of my life. Yeah. Let's move on to what we're working on. Um, I'm actually trying not to work on much because I'm going to be off for the next two weeks. Um, Trillin, what are you working on? I mean, yeah, speaking of your being off, you know, I'm also not going to be around next week, so we won't have an episode of this podcast, right? It's next Thanksgiving. week for Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. Um, but other than that, I have, like, continued to be working on editing things. I'm working on editing on a, a guide right now, uh, and I need to not let administrative things get me down. I need to stay on top of those things basically <laughs> so many so many things i mean listen we're, we're just past picking your health insurance time it's all it's all the stuff coming all at once of uh, the parts of being adult uh let's move on to pop culture picks uh what, what are the fun things keeping you happy this week Shirley? um i've been meaning i've been wanting to watch this for a while and finally got around to doing it uh, i think in the last few days i I don't know how you feel about these. I love the Agatha Christie, Hercule Poirot series of films. I like the new one. Exactly. So I watched the new one, The Haunting in Venice. It has Michelle Yeoh in it. It's got, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Kenneth Branagh. Okay, as as Hercule Poirot. But it's also got Tina Fey uh, as a somewhat Agatha Christie-like author, authoress. She she is in every murder mystery now because she's also in Only Murders in the Building, which is great. You should watch, Sherlyn, if you haven't. I Um, have been watching Only Murders in the Building. She's been great. And I mean, I liked her in season one a lot. I like Amy Schumer was in it too one season i don't know they have great guest stars in that series it's called haunting in venice i believe that's the title of it Uh, so that's one of the movies i saw recently but it's not super new i did also get a chance to watch recently um killers of the flower moon have you seen that i i mean of course it's it's one of the biggest three and a half hours very long another magnum opus by martin scorsese but i i freaking love it what did you think it was really good it was really good i really enjoyed it i thought lily gladstone was incredible i it was really like i i didn't know this part of american history i never learned i never knew about this most people don't yeah yeah uh, these murders. It was very nice to see Robert De Niro in something again, and along with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. I guess I just I am in awe of all the acting, of the pacing of this movie. Even though it was like a very long movie, it never really felt like a drag. Um, and yeah, I got very invested in the storyline. It's one of those movies where after you like watch it, you go and dig deep into like what really happened. Um, and I don't know, Devendra, you could probably explain better than I can what's Turns going out on America's pretty messed up, folks. Yeah. Turns you out. You guys say yeah. Osage? Osage? Osage. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a great movie. And also, I will I will tell you, folks, like this movie, I was so invested in it. Like this movie made me cry by the end because it does make you feel like this woman's life is is such a tragedy. And, and you know, things end in such a way where it's just like... Man, it's really, it's really like, it's not just like, um, you know, racists who want to steal their money. It is the entire structure of our government that enabled this stuff, too. It is, you know, law enforcement not caring. It's presence not caring. It is the fact that this country was founded on stealing land from natives. And it turned out a bunch of natives uh, ended up on land that had a lot of oil and they got rich. And then somehow a certain group of Americans found ways to take advantage of that, too. So it just I found it really affecting and really you could draw a lot of parallels to what's happening today. Yeah. Yeah. I was so angry the whole time watching this movie because I 
I don't know why I related so much to the to Lily Gladstone's character and all of the women of color in the show because it was it was actively white men who would marry, I believe, Native American women. Um, for their for their property, for their basically, for property, their for their yeah. money, for their resources, for their oil rights, um, and as a woman of color who dates a lot of white men, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, oh, this is a yeah, big warning sign. That's a deal breaker, ladies. This is something I already knew. Do you have an oil I was fortune? Already aware of. Watch out for any. any I have a non oil fortune. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, oh, it was it was okay. very interesting Breaking to watch. On the gadget podcast. Okay. <laughs> I have a non-fortune. Uh, yeah, okay. but it was very, very, like, for, for me, it was, I resonated with it a lot, even though it's mm-hmm. really not about my history or my life it's or, a, it's or so my affecting. country's and history. Lily Gladstone, um, I hope, is going to be up for all the awards next year because she does so much without really saying a word sometimes. It's all in her eyes and her face and the way she she even judges uh, DiCaprio's character. Anyway, great movie. See it in theaters if you can. It's going to be on, you know, it's going to be on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, in December, uh, yet another great move by Apple too to give Scorsese a ton of money to make this thing, because um, this movie I think costs like over three hundred million dollars. So the fact that such an epic has the budget behind it, is can I just say wild. it didn't look like it cost that much? Because there's not a lot of CGI in this movie; it's just a lot of good acting. <laughs> I mean, it's big sets, big sets doing it's historical huge sets, sets yeah, yeah, time. Sure. But uh, yeah. anyway, good good recommendation, Sherlyn. I'm glad you got to check those out. I have something for you actually that I think you will enjoy. It is a podcast called Ghost Story. Uh, over at Wondery, and this is a real-life, supposedly true podcast. Um, journalist Tristan Redman says he doesn't believe in ghosts, but he grew up in a in a in a home in London, and he noticed weird things were happening in his bedroom. Like specifically, a vase he would put down would change locations every morning. You know, he would put it on the floor and would end up on his nightstand or something. And he thought his sister was making fun of him. Um, he, he just kind of moved on from there. Uh, but when like a, maybe like 10 or 20 years later, he started talking to people back in the neighborhood. He was hearing about people who also lived in that house. One family, their daughter saw the bed rattle like under her and saw impressions of somebody sleeping in the bed next to her. One family reported seeing a faceless woman in the room. These are all like people independent of each other having stories about things happening within this building. So I found that oh, that's kind of cool. And this journalist says he's not a he's not like a big ghost hunter or something. He's he says he's a non-believer. But then it also turns out that his um his wife grew up in the building next door and he did not know that at the time. They met in college, but it turns out his wife lived nearby. His wife's great-grandmother was murdered in that house almost 100 years ago. So there's like a lot of things being tied together here. It's like, okay, oh, it's kind of, it turns into a murder mystery, but it also turns into like a real life haunting mystery. Um, I think it's really good. I think it's really well done. Um, we, we, I don't know, have we talked about the paranormal on the show before, Sherlyn? But you know, there's, I, I'm a very rational, realist guy, but I have, I have like a fraction open to be like, I understand that science does not capture everything. Because so much of what we learn, like we don't understand, we don't understand quantum physics. Not really. There's so many things we don't fully understand. Like I, I leave the door open for us to like come to some sort of understanding or like for some things to be possible outside of scientific, you know. I mean, that's uh, why I love science fiction and horror and paranormal. Exactly. exactly. That's why I love the X-Files. But anyway, this really does, it's just spooky in a way to hear people like tell the same story of things happening in this building or near this building and people saying like, oh yeah, I'm not never going to go to that third floor again because a lot of stuff happened there. Uh, Anyway, 
I think this is a very good podcast. It's really well produced. Um, oh, his wife's family are also the Dancies. So actor Hugh Dancy, who's on, he's on shows. Oh, he's on yeah, Downton we love Abbey. Hugh Dancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on that. He was. Uh, he, he was, was on Ella Enchanted, I believe. Ella Enchanted. Um, he was the the detective in Hannibal as well, which is where I know him from. So Hugh Dancy is a part of his family because it turned his wife's family is like a bunch of overachievers, and it really all comes down to this mystery surrounding her. Married wife. to Claire Danes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, what a what a couple, um, but yeah. So his wife's family is this whole like just like English overeducated, um, you know, very very like smart family. So um, Hugh Dancy does some readings of his great grandfather too, who sort of becomes a suspect in this case in a weird way. So it's really fascinating. It has a good mixture of spooky stuff and true crime stuff and really well-produced audio storytelling, too. So I think it's really well done. I'm not a big fan of, like, all the true crime podcasts, but I think this one is really cool. And if you listen to it at night in your earbuds, you will definitely start to feel a bit of creepiness out there. So check out Wondery's Ghost Story Podcast. Well, that's it for the episode, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter, at Devendra at Mastodon.social. I'm on Blue Sky as well. Do not ping me on threads, for the love of God. I keep... Every time I go to threads, I just keep seeing... I tell people not to, and yet they still do it. I don't know. Uh, anyway, and you can also find me at the Filmcast, uh, talking about movies at thefilmcast.com. If you want to send me any ideas for kid-appropriate fun and gifts, you can hit me up uh, via email, chdr at engadget.com, or on... I guess I'm still on X, but you're not still really. on X. And I'm not the on fun threads. X. You're on uh, Elon Musk's X. No, so. not not X to see. No, uh, I am on uh, Threads at C H E R L Y N N S T A G R A M. Email us your thoughts at podcast at engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. I'm also going to be hosting this week in tech this week. I'm taking over for Leo Laporte, who I believe is on a. A tech-free retreat right now so i don't know uh we've got some cool guests so come take a listen that's at twit.tv 